I fear not the dark itself, but what may lurk within it. Welcome to Lurk, bringing you creepy, strange, and bone-chilling stories with your host, Jamie Jackson. Welcome to our Christmas Eve episode. As promised, I'll be sharing stories from lurkers and some from my childhood and probably some from the current goings-on here at my house. But first, what's the big deal about telling ghost stories at Christmas? It's actually a tradition that started long ago, long before Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Way back in the day before electricity and TV and radio, people didn't have much to do when it was dark. I mean, I'm sure there were some things to do which would explain the larger families they had back then. Anyway, they told stories to pass the time. And then when Dickens' A Christmas Carol came to be, it just reinforced the tradition. My family had a similar tradition, though it wasn't just at Christmas. We told stories some completely fabricated, like uh, trips that my aunt took with the Queen of England to visit the Pygmies in Africa, and some completely true experiences, some of which I shared in last year's Christmas Eve episode about my dad's experience at the Shipley House. Anyway, it wasn't just Christmas we told these pretty much every time we got together. So Lurk is going to try to continue that tradition, We're going to start with experiences from David from across the pond in the UK. The first account was witnessed by five people. David writes, It was around 1978. My mum, her partner, my older brother and sister, and me were in Derbyshire on an afternoon's drive when we turned towards the village of Eme. Eme is famous in England as the village that effectively sacrificed itself during the Great Plague, electing to quarantine the entire village to stop the spread of the deadly virus. As we drove into the village in the gathering dusk, about 200 meters in front of our car, I saw a translucent figure of what looked like a woman in white cross the road, or glide across. That's how I recall it. I was nine or ten. Speaking with my sister, she says she recalls passing the ghostly figure and seeing a woman with an old-fashioned lamp at the side of the road as we passed. She says she could see through her. I don't remember that and haven't asked my brother yet. We all saw something, that's for sure. Eme is allegedly full of ghosts and apparitions. Lurkers, you'll remember that we covered another plague quarantine location in episode 74, the ghost of Povelia. In a town that was quarantined, I imagine there was much suffering and pain, and it wouldn't be unusual for those who passed to continue lingering. David also shared another experience. He said, I started thinking of my mom and her recollections at our tiny terraced home in Fallowfield, Manchester. The two that are most interesting are the time she awoke to find the crib with my brother in it rocking violently. She got up, The rocking stopped, and she found my brother on his front, effectively suffocating. So whatever the entity was, it was saving his life. 
The oddest one was when my dad was at a local armed services bar in the late evening, before I was born, and my mom was downstairs with my two brothers asleep upstairs. The front door opened, and my mom heard somebody run upstairs and assumed it to be my dad going to the bathroom. After five minutes or so, the front door opened again, and my dad came into the lounge. My mom asked why he'd gone upstairs first, and he said he had literally just come in. Then there's somebody in the house, she said. My dad ran upstairs, checked every room, while mom waited at the foot of the stairs. He found nothing. He thought my mom was imagining things. Convinced he was right, she then went to the kitchen to make some tea to find the back door wide open when it had been bolted shut. No one could have passed by her or my dad. There was no explanation for the incident, though my mom always said that she could hear the cane of the old man who lived in the house before, tapping on the linoleum upstairs. You could see the marks from years gone by, even when I was a kid. The man had died before Mum moved in. Our next story comes from uh, one of my partners in crime, Kelly. I got her to share an experience from the farmhouse where she grew up. Uh, I spent time in this farmhouse, and it is creepy, to say the least. So I'm going to share with you what Kelly sent me about the house, or one of the experiences there. This happened in the old farmhouse where I grew up near Parkersburg, West Virginia. It was a very old house with thin walls and little insulation. You could hear everything between the upstairs and the downstairs very clearly. It always happened in the wintertime, when the nights were long and it got dark early. My mom and I would hear the front door upstairs open and slam shut so hard that the house shuddered. Then we heard heavy, distinct footsteps walk slowly across the hard floor above us, like someone wearing hobnail boots. They always stopped at the top of the stairs, as if they were about to come downstairs where we were. At first we thought it was my dad getting home from work. My mom nervously yelled up the stairs that dinner was ready, but there was no answer. She cautiously went upstairs to look around. The lights were off, and no one was there. When we told my dad about it, he just thought we were hearing things. He didn't really believe in ghosts and was convinced that there was a logical explanation until one night it started happening to him. My mom and I were out shopping late in the evening and my dad was home alone. He heard the upstairs front door slam, footsteps walk across the floor and stop at the top of the stairs. He was convinced that someone was in the house, but when he went upstairs to investigate, it was dark, and no one was there. Dad was uncharacteristically shook up when he told us what had happened. He apologized for discounting our experiences, and from that point on, admitted that there are things in this world that are beyond explanation. When Kelly sent me that story, I actually chuckled. Her dad, my uncle, was incredibly interested and supportive in our paranormal endeavors, which started when we were kids. We were taken to Point Pleasant, West Virginia to hunt for Mothman. We were taken to all kinds of haunted locations to look for ghosts. And when we really got serious about things and ended up with the 
digital recorders. He had digital recorder. We constantly went places to take recordings. So hearing that at one point he was a non-believer was kind of shocking, but funny to me. Like I said, I spent time in that farmhouse and there is no doubt that there was definitely something otherworldly there. Lots of paranormal happenings. Our next story comes from a longtime lurker, Sandy, who had an experience basically in my backyard, um, Gettysburg, which is not really in my backyard, but close enough. She said that several years ago, she had gone with a group of scouts and leaders to go camping at the area of the battlefield called McMillan Woods. This area is only available to youth groups, organized youth groups. So scouts or like church youth groups, that sort of thing. They arrived Friday afternoon. One side of the field was the girls and the other side, the boys. In the middle of the night, she woke up and went to the bathroom. And by bathroom, I mean porta potty Johnny on the spot, spot a pot, whatever you call him. And she went to the bathroom, then headed back to her tent. As she was laying there, she heard what sounded like cannon fire or fireworks. She assumed it was reenactors. The next morning, she was telling the other adults what she heard, and they had all heard it too. Later that day, a park ranger stopped by camp, and the adults asked him if reenactors usually shoot artillery so late, around 2 a.m. He asked what they had heard, and they told him. He said nothing was shot that night and no reenactors were there on the battlefield. None of the leaders slept the next night. For those not familiar, um, McMillan Woods is a forested area. It was used during the battle and for camps. The CCC had a camp there. There was a World War II POW camp. And from the Civil War, they found rifle pits and earthworks. It was the area where Confederates advanced on days one and two of the battle. And as I said, if you are a youth group organization like Scouts, you can reserve a camping spot there. I have not camped there with Scouts. I have been there numerous times with a Scout group from Southern Maryland. We did a little ghost hunting with the Scout group. And it is kind of a creepy place to camp. There is no electricity there. It is dark. Speaking of dark, one of the stories I wanted to share, it's not really my story, it's a family story. It was told to me by my Grandma Sissy. Now, Grandma Sissy was not my grandmother. She was technically my step-great-great-grandmother. She lived to be 104 years old, and I grew up knowing her. She died when I was in my early 20s. My daughter was about two, I believe. So I probably would have been about 20 or 21 when she passed away. She was a real character. She used to threaten that if my dad didn't come and visit her when we were down in Virginia, that she was going to turn him over her knee and she told me to tell him to come visit, and I purposefully wouldn't tell him because I wanted her to spank him. <laughs> I wanted to see her spank him. She's very tiny. Anyway, um, I digress, which I do quite a bit here. 
Anyway, one of the stories that she shared with me, there's two, but one of them had to do with a spot of light, an orb, if you will. So back in the day, a long time ago, she was born in the late 1800s. So we're talking a long time ago. She's in her room. She has these thick, heavy drapes and the room is pitch black. She said, you can't even see your hand in front of your face when you're in the room. She's going to bed. She's getting ready for bed. And she's laying there and all of a sudden she notices this orb of light moving around the room. And there's no way there's any light shining in the windows at all. There's, it was impossible for light to be in there. And back then, I'm really not sure how many things really had the ability to shine light. And I'm not exaggerating because we're talking about a woman who went to a one-room schoolhouse and used a slate board with chalk. So she sees this light and it, it moves around the room and it gets on the bed and she smacks at it. She says, you get off that bed and you get down there on the floor. And it went down on the floor and she was like, you stay there. Never knew what it was, never knew where it came from and eventually went away. Her other story was a little bit more interesting. And it's the story of the headless man. If you know me personally, you've probably heard me mention this. It still gives me the willies today. So when she was young, she was a young girl. She lived not far from where our property is in Virginia on the water. And she had her friend over the house and she was walking her friend across the street to her house. And she walked her friend to her door and she turned around to go back to her house And as she's walking across the street, now keep in mind, no street lights. There are zero street lights. It is dark. And she runs into somebody and she looks up and she sees what she said was the tallest man she'd ever seen, but he didn't have a head. So she kind of screams. She goes running in the house. She's trying to tell her parents what she saw. A few moments later, here comes her brother running in saying he saw the tallest man he's ever seen without a head. I never could figure out, was it her brother playing a trick? But if it was her brother playing a trick, how did he change his clothes so fast? Because apparently this headless man was in like a suit. He was dressed up, but he didn't have a head. I can tell you today, um, just a couple years ago, I was at my cousin's house down the road from our house down there, and we had been talking genealogy, and he wanted me, (laughs) um, I, I found the area of an old graveyard, and the graveyard has no markers. The graveyard is so old it doesn't have markers most likely because they were made from wood and unfortunately wood rots with over time. So he had the idea that if I took this pole that he has for probing in the dirt, it's a long, it's very long. It's taller than I am that if I take this pole and, and take it over to this private property, I might add, that I technically trespassed on to find the graveyard in the first place. 
But if I take this pole and, you know, stick it in the ground in places, I might be able to see if there's any remnants of any headstones. Maybe there was a, a stone headstone that was under the dirt or whatever. So he sends me back to the house carrying this really long metal pole. And it's, I don't know, 1130, quarter of 12 at night. And uh, I actually mentioned that I was a little nervous because of the headless man. And I'm not going to lie, there's one really dark spot walking back to my house down there that uh, there's no house up near the road, so there's no house lights or anything. And I did run with this giant metal pole. No, I never went looking for the graves uh, with the pole. I thought that I might actually get arrested if I tried that. But that's just a tidbit of... uh, information that this headless man story lives on today. I remember it. I am still afraid of it. I'm afraid to walk there at night by myself because of the headless man. So thank you, Grandma Sissy, for terrifying me since I was the age of seven. These next two are from Sam, and I want to share those with you. So Her first account, she says, I had lost both of my grandmothers and I had a necklace that had two charms on it, one for each grandmother. I lost it one day, could not find it anywhere. After a couple of months of looking and not finding it anywhere, I looked up to the sky and said, all right, grandmas, I know you know know where it is, so let me know. The next day, my sister was coming out of my dad's parking pad and saw something shiny in the road. She stopped and got out of her car to look, and it was my necklace. It had been run over, but surprisingly, both charms were still intact. They only had small scratches. When my sister gave me the necklace, I looked up one more time and said, Thank you both. I love and miss you very much. Sam also mentioned that at one time she was working in a salon in downtown Ellicott City, Maryland. If you're not familiar with Ellicott City, it is full of paranormal experiences there. Lots of ghost stories that I will most likely share in the future with you. So she's working at a salon in downtown Ellicott City. She said there was a ghost there named Al. It was a ghost of the former owner of the building back when it used to be a car garage. The girls working at night heard stuff falling off of shelves, lights flickered on and off. Most of the time, they used to yell at him and tell him to stop it until we left, and other times they would just leave for the night. That would be pretty unnerving. If I was working at my office at night and something happened, I would kind of freak out. This story comes from Mandy. She said it was my grandmother's anniversary of her passing, and my daughter was just starting to stand on her own. She was in the back room playing when I went back to look in on her, and she was just staring and looking at the walls and ceiling, and all of a sudden my daughter started talking to someone, saying hi and waving. There was no one else in the house at the time. I always said it was Graham's talking to Kay to let everyone know she's around and happy. I am a firm believer in the fact that children are able to see things that adults 
cannot, because children have not suspended disbelief. They believe. They don't know that they're not supposed to believe it. When you begin growing up into an adult, you're told over and over again that what you're seeing isn't real. So you begin to accept it. My son Ethan used to see things all the time. There's actually an episode, uh, My Son Sees Dead People or something. Um, Check that out if you haven't already. There's some stories from Gettysburg in that episode. And it actually reminded me of something that happened last year with my grandson, who he's three now. He would have been two. It actually came up in my memories on Facebook. So every year at Christmas, we go to the cemetery and put wreaths on the graves. It's kind of a big deal. I always joke and say, oh, yeah, it's so much fun. It It's actually, if you know me, you know it's great fun. I love cemeteries. I check them out all the time. This cemetery is historic. It's right outside. It might actually be in the lim- Baltimore city limits. I'm not sure. It's right near the city line and not far from where I grew up. So it's actually a lot of fun to go there. There's a lot of really cool monuments and things. So last year, Jameson was two, and we are at my great-grandparents' grave and my great-uncle's grave, and we're placing the wreaths, and Jameson had his back to us, and he's playing peekaboo. He's not playing peekaboo with anybody that's there. He had his back to every to all of us in the family. There wasn't anybody else there visiting any other graves. It was just us. And he kept playing peekaboo with somebody that nobody else could see but Jameson. And finally, we were like, what are you doing? Who are you playing peekaboo with? And he just simply said, Beulah. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know many two-year-olds who can come up with the name Beulah off the top of their head. We do not have any Beulahs in our family whatsoever. None. Zero. So I'm not sure where he got that. It's always wise to listen to young children when they start talking about imaginary friends or they're having conversations when they're supposed to be in the bedroom by themselves. I bet if you paid attention, you'd find out that maybe those friends weren't quite so imaginary. There is an episode... One of the first ones where I talk about the things that have gone on in my house here. My house is haunted. It has been, we know it was built at least in the 1880s. It was here in the 1880s. It could be older than that, but we're not sure. We just never had the chance to go do a deed search for it at the courthouse. COVID happened. That's why we didn't get it done. So... It's old, at least 140 some years. Lots of things have happened. In fact, last year for the Christmas Eve episode, I talked about seeing a figure downstairs, a figure that was looking through my Christmas decoration bins. So I have struggled with Christmas this year a little bit. It's been a difficult year. I mentioned in the episode 79 I did mention at the end there that it's just kind of, it's been a difficult year for for my family. I know it's been difficult for a lot of people since 2020. It's just been very stressful year after year the last couple years. 
this year for us, you know, we had my daughter's accident and there's been a lot of other things that have gone on. So Christmas really, it, it doesn't really feel like Christmas. So I didn't really feel like decorating again, which was the same attitude I kind of had last year when I saw the apparition. So this year things, again, started up around the time I would normally begin decorating the house for Christmas. Actually, it started before Christmas. It started actually kind of around Thanksgiving, so a few weeks before December. I did not put out any of my Thanksgiving decorations. I ended up putting them out like two days before Thanksgiving because I was having things happen at the house and I kind of felt like that's what I needed to do to get things to settle down. So the first thing, the first major thing that happened, I was walking up my steps and I was about halfway up the steps and kind of glanced down. And when you glance down from halfway up the steps, the hallway is there and there's the doorway into the kitchen and you can see the doorway that goes from the kitchen to the dining room. And as I was glancing down, there was a figure that walked out of the dining room into the kitchen and disappeared. I honestly really wasn't freaked out because I knew it wasn't an actual person. It was kind of translucent, very much like the apparition I saw last year. I really couldn't recognize much brown hair, short, short brown hair. Female was the opinion that I had, light top. That's about all I could see because I'm looking at it basically from above. So after that happened, a couple nights later, I've mentioned how the room here where I record is referred to the haunted room because I have a lot of antiques that are from my family here. I've had a lot of things happen. I've had some things happen while I've recorded in here. So this is the haunted room where I pop, where I have placed the objects that I inherited from my aunt that Kelly so graciously waited to tell me were haunted until after I had them in my house. So I have that stuff in here in the haunted room. Because I refer to this as the haunted room, the door to this room is typically closed at night because I don't want to walk by the door and see something. I, I'm really that unnerved by it. It's fine to be open during the day. Sometimes I leave it open if I'm in and out of here. It also gets a little chilly in this room. This room is probably the coldest room in the house that has heat in it. So it's always closed at night. One night, however, I think I forgot to close it. Anyway, it was open. It wasn't closed. I had to go to the bathroom. It wasn't super late either. It was, I don't know, 11, 1130. And I'm getting ready to go up to bed. And I come up to the top of the steps. You, so when you come to the top of the steps, the first room at the top is the haunted room where I am now. And it, you turn right. You walk past the doorway into this room. You have my son's room and directly in front of you is the bathroom. I am walking by the doorway, the open doorway into the dark room. And somebody says my name, clear as can be. Jamie, like they're trying to get my attention. The hair stood up on the back of my neck. Like I think every hair was standing on end, except 
you know, the hair on my head because it's long and that would be silly. But, you know, I had that creepy goosebump feeling, continued walking and just said, that's not even effing funny. And just kept on going because I figured having an attitude was the best way to handle it. A few nights later, I'm downstairs. It's probably a Monday night because my husband and son were not home. It was either a Monday night or it was a weekend when they were camping with scouts. Either way, I was home by myself other than the dog and the cat. At that point, I only had one dog and the cat. And I'm on the couch playing on my phone. I think I was, well, I don't think I was messaging Kelly and Angelina, the dogs laying on the couch next to me. And the cat is laying on the back of the couch when I hear a door open upstairs. So I was pretty sure I knew what door it was. So I tell Angelina and Kelly and I'm like, I'm not kidding you that there's a door that just opened upstairs. And the dog heard the door. The dog is now sitting with her head up and her ears perked up, staring at the steps. Because you can see the steps from the couch. There's the doorway into the hallway where the steps are. And the cat is now sitting up, paying attention, as cats do, to the empty steps. You know how dogs and cats do that staring thing at nothing that creeps you out? That's what they were doing. So I'm telling Kelly and Angelina, I'm like, I don't want to look. I think it might be the office door, which is the haunted room. That's my office. So eventually the dog chills out, lays back down. The cat lays back down. I figure, all right, well, if they're comfortable enough to go lay down, Obviously, I can go upstairs, which is good because that's where I have to go to the bathroom should I need to go. Um, And considering I nearly peed my pants anyway, hearing the door open, I probably was good. Not that I peed my pants. I didn't. Anyway, I walk part of the way up the steps. And by that point, I can already see that the bedroom, that the door to the office or haunted room, podcast room, is wide open. So the thing you need to know about this door, it sticks. It does not come open by itself. Once it is pulled closed, it latches. The door actually rubs against the door jam. It is not, the door is original to the house. It is not the original door to this room. So it's not quite a perfect fit. And so the door rubs. There's no way the door wasn't latched fully and swung open. It's just not how this one operates. Had my son's bedroom door opened, I completely would have thought it just didn't latch because his door swings open. If you don't pull it tight, it'll open on its own. This door, however, never opens on its own. It When you pull it, it is tight. It's not going to budge. Sometimes you have to give it a little push to even get it to... I just want to tell you all, as I'm telling you about the haunted room that I'm currently sitting in, all of a sudden there's heavy breathing at the door and it just scared the crap out of me. 
but it's just the bulldog because he's got to be up my butt everywhere I go. Anyway, as I was saying, the door, it sticks. There are two other quick things that happened since then. I did all my decorating. I was kind of hoping that the ghost might take pity on me and do the decorating for me. And as Kelly pointed out, do you really want the ghost to have that much energy and power to be able to move your decorations? My thought is if they can clean while they're doing it, I'm okay. I have two dogs now. I have Angus, the bulldog, and Lucy, the Boston Terrier mix. And both of them love to chase laser lights. And so I was messing with Angus in the kitchen and Lucy came in and they're racing up and down the kitchen, down the hallway, chasing this light. And finally, because I don't really want them to get neurotic about it, I was like, okay, that's enough. Let's go outside. And as I'm, I, I put it on the table and as I'm walking outside with Angus, he all of a sudden like leaps at something on the floor and I look and there's the laser light. Now this laser light is actually my infrared thermometer for ghost hunting. It has a laser light on it so you know exactly where the thermometer is pointing. I've used it a ton of times. When you let go of the trigger, the laser light goes out. So there should be no way that this laser light is on. Anyway, I hurry up and I take Angus out because he's young and learning how to go outside. And we come back in and the first thing I do is go find where I put the laser light and it is actually facing the wall. So the area where the laser is, is facing a wall. There's no way that even if it had accidentally bumped something or had been pressed up against something, that it could have shined the laser over on the floor where the dog was. So I have no idea what happened with that. And then we are getting ready for our Christmas party last week, last weekend. And I am getting stuff together and there are guests arriving and pretty sure there were guests who were already there and um, in the dining room. And I have this old music box that I received as a gift from my great uncle who I called P-Pop and I was very close to him and it's the little drummer boy it plays the little drummer boy or it did back when I was a kid it doesn't really work anymore it's broken I put it out more for nostalgia it you know has a drummer boy with a Santa hat on it so it's part of my holiday decorations I walk past the dining room hutch where it's sitting and uh, the music box starts playing. And so my husband says, what is that noise coming from? And I said, "Uh, the broken music box, just very nonchalantly. And Angelina and Kelly, I think we're both there and they're kind of laughing. And my mom's like, the broken music box. And I'm like, yeah, the one that doesn't play. It started playing when I walked by it. Those are the strange things that have gone on in my house and some of the stories that our listeners have shared. If you have a paranormal story, please send it to me. If we get enough, I will do more of these type of episodes throughout the year 
If not, I will save it for Christmas Eve 2023. Um, Any story. You have a UFO story, a personal account of seeing a UFO, send it. You saw something strange in the woods, send it. Uh, You found out your babysitter was a serial killer, send it. (laughs) Um, Anything creepy, paranormal, send it along. We'll, We'll use it. You can be anonymous. I will never use a last name. And if you prefer, I won't even use your first name. So I also want to take a moment in this holiday season. I want to tell everybody Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah, Merry Yule, whatever you celebrate. I hope it's a happy one. And in the theme of that, I just want to remind everybody that, as I mentioned, the last couple of years have been very difficult for people. And before you get mad or angry with somebody, especially somebody you don't know that you're coming across out in public, take a minute before you say something nasty. It costs nothing to be kind And you never, ever know what that person could be dealing with in their everyday life. And they're just trying to make it day by day. So if everybody just took a minute and tried to be kind instead of snarky, imagine how different things could be for everybody. So on that note, this is going to do it for this episode You can get Lurk wherever it is that you listen to your favorite podcast or at lurkpodcast.com. And on the website, as always, you can find all the episodes of Lurk along with links to our social media accounts. I highly recommend that you follow us on one of those or all of those. I would say I'm most active on Facebook. We do have a Facebook group as well as a Facebook page. We also have a YouTube channel if you prefer to listen to your podcast that way. And if you like what you hear, please tell a friend and consider giving us a five-star review. And until next time, keep lurking.